0: Hey there, Nick Holmes here with another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience, the podcast show that proves you do not have to be a Hall of Famer, a first-round draft choice, or even a high school standout for that matter, in order to make a living in the sport of baseball. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream where today I am excited about my first guest on the podcast here. His name is Brian Barden. Brian and I go way back to about 2003 Sherman Oaks, California where we met just after he was drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the sixth round. Uh, He was my guinea pig. The first professional baseball player that I uh, got to train and try out some some new tricks of the trade there. Brian was just an, an awesome guy, and we've been friends ever since. He has spent uh, 12 years as a professional baseball player, Uh, Around five years cumulative there, uh, for the better parts of uh, five years anyway, in the big leagues uh, with Arizona Diamondbacks, St. Louis Cardinals, Miami Marlins, Texas Rangers. Uh, Had a two-year stint over in Japan with the Hiroshima Carp. We'll hear a little bit about that experience, which is right up our alley here on World Baseball Experience. So I'm excited to have you guys listen to some of those stories. And then he came back to the States and finished up with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I will also be asking Brian about his experience with the U.S. Olympic baseball team back in 2008, where they brought home the bronze medal. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Brian Barden. Brian, welcome to the show, man. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Hi, Nick. It's, uh, it's very good to be here with you.
0: What's going on there? You're in uh, Arizona right now, right?
1: Yeah, uh, just trying to stay out of the heat and about... 110 to 120 here the last week or two so not doing too much other than working and, and you know coaching my club ball team
0: i can't wait to hear more about that and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show but i'd like to just start off from the beginning like we do in most stories and can you give us a little bit of rundown um what it was like uh, growing up you're from san diego originally right templeton i think yeah
1: i grew up in san diego moved there when i was four and spent four all the way up through high school uh i lived there uh, with my folks obviously and uh once once i went to pro ball uh everybody moved to phoenix just to be closer to um my my baseball career at that time but uh grew up in san diego uh yeah it was, it was great as far as uh um baseball goes i had lots of uh good competition and and opportunities there to uh, not only play with uh, good players, but, uh, you know, to to have a lot of good coaches uh, that mentored me. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's something that I really didn't know I had until I didn't have any more. And I'm I'm jealous of, you know, the friends and and the people that still get to to live there. And, uh, you know, it's definitely somewhere that I, I, I try to go at least once a year.
0: What, did you play other sports when you were growing up, or did you know right away baseball was your game and you just stuck with that?
1: Well, baseball was what I remember first, and I, it, you know, it, was, it was something that I always loved, no matter what, um, but I, I grew up playing basketball, football, uh, golf. hmm my dad loved fishing, so we fished a lot. You know, my main sports were baseball, basketball, and football, and I played basketball and football up until my sophomore year of high school. And then at that point, I decided that I really just wanted to focus on baseball, and I, and I knew that was probably my, my best path to you know getting a college scholarship and mm-hmm. maybe having a, a professional career.
0: Right. St. Augustine was the high school, is that right? Yes and how were they a pretty good uh baseball school
1: it was uh you know for being a, a, a small school of 500 uh it was all boys catholic
0: um, oh cool okay
1: like i said it was it was it was a small school but we we competed uh we're, we're pretty competitive in 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 every sport I would have to say if not the top tier teams uh, in our division on on a yearly basis it you know it didn't matter if it was baseball football or cross country you now or basketball we you know we went out there and they, we were really good at, at putting quality teams out there and uh you know like one of our one of our mottos as a school was just a tradition of excellence and we I don't know they really did a great job of putting Teams out there that that competed and, and, and put banners on the wall. And,
0: one of the uh, things you mentioned just a minute ago about you know baseball being your uh, path to a possible scholarship or you know playing professionally. Um, one of the things I learned about you early is when we met was that you really didn't have a lot of scholarship offers after high school. Am I correct in saying that?
1: Coming out of high school, yeah, I wasn't really recruited too much. I was, I was. Recruited mostly by uh, University of San Diego, as well as you know some other West Coast schools, but nothing where you know somebody was offering me a, a major scholarship. You know, I had I had a pretty good high school career. I went out there and I played baseball just hard, and I tried I tried a lot, and you know I worked hard. Attention by the junior colleges in in, in San Diego specifically Grossmont, and I had verbally committed to going there and whatnot, and. I was playing my club baseball team that that same summer, and we had gone up to Corvallis, Oregon, to Oregon State, and had played a a 4th of July tournament and had a good tournament. And the assistant coach, Dan Spencer, had taken some time out of his day while I was there to show me around campus and invited me to be uh, a walk on and and show up basically the same time as uh, the the scholarship players. And I took advantage of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. My dad had talked me into. Uh, just going up there and just taking a chance and if I didn't like what I was doing I, I could come back and, and it would be all good I could, mm-hmm. and uh, it was funny that you know I didn't really know a lot about Oregon or or the school or the, the coaches and went up there and uh, found a, a, a really nice place that uh, I, could, I could call home for three years and you know they, they took a chance on me my freshman year and, and they made me their opening day starter and just you know things just kind of snowballed from there and I uh, eventually got her a scholarship and 13 freshman all-american and you
0: know uh well oh, man so I mean your mindset at the time it sounds like was what do I have to lose right your dad said uh why not go up there walk on if you make it great if you don't you already you already have this junior college thing set up so you're not really losing anything right Exactly. You were you were at Oregon State for three years, uh, as you mentioned, third team All-American. You know, had a great career there. Um, decided to forego your senior year. Uh, 2002, you were drafted in the sixth round. Tell us a little bit about how that went down to make that decision to sign uh, after your junior year instead of coming back and, and going your senior year.
1: Yeah, I, I think as any aspiring baseball player, they they either strive to get drafted out of high school or or they want to be drafted after their junior year of college, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was funny, I was going to say, coming out of high school, I had no idea when draft day was, or even any clue of, you know, being drafted, Um, you know, my goal was going to college, but, so, you know, now I'm at Oregon State, and going into my junior year, uh, you know, I started talking to scouts, and you you kind of realize that there's there's interest out there and you just don't know where that interest may lay mm-hmm. and uh and uh so as the season progressed, you kind of just find out where you're you you know the, the rounds that you're slotted for so you know i i basically went where where they had slotted me mm-hmm. and uh i was a th- Three, third round to fifth round kind of guy, and I uh, ended up going in the the sixth round. Yeah, I was I was ecstatic to to know that I was going to the Diamondbacks, the team that just won the World Series the year before. You know, especially being close to home and whatnot, and being a new organization, it was it was exciting. So you know, I was going to an organization that really was trying to build a, a minor league system, and you know, there was opportunity there to to progress at, at a very quick rate, um, which I did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it, you know, it was, it, it's an excited time for everybody when you can get drafted. Um, you know, especially for the people that have been there for you an entire time, like my folks and, uh, you know, any family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, you know, it was a good, it was a good day just as a whole mm-hmm. to to be able to validate, you know, all the hard work and time put in.
0: Were there any other teams that were courting you at the same time?
1: Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I never once talked to a Diamondback scout. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> I yeah, didn't
0: know that.
2: I,
1: uh, there, there, there was probably about five or six teams that I talked to on a regular basis. Uh huh. And Diamondbacks were not one of them. And wow. uh, the the area scout, uh, Ed Gustafson, he, uh, after, after the Diamondbacks drafted me, we, we went out to lunch and he, he told me that. He only seen me play one time yeah. and uh they knew that I was I was the guy in that in that spot mm-hmm. um to be drafted in, the, in that in that spot in the in the draft. Um but he he said that he had seen me play once and it was at an Arizona State tournament at the beginning of the year uh of my junior year and uh that's hit crazy. a home run and had a, had a single or whatnot and um the next day I hit another home run and yeah, that you know, that's that's basically what it came down to. He just he, That's crazy. He, he filled out his report for that day, and you know I think it just it was a matter of I fit into that slot. Yeah. And they were looking for they were looking for a third baseman because um, at that time to put in the system, uh, there was yeah. probably only there was a guy that was in you know obviously the big leaguer, and then there was Chad Tracy in and AA, and
3: mm-hmm. not a
1: lot of uh, corner infielders, so. Obviously, those things come to factors uh, when it when they go to draft players. So, right? Uh, yeah, it was funny. You know, he just he he said he saw me play one
0: time, and that's crazy, man. I mean, coming from the scouting world too, to not have to fight for a guy is very rare. You know, a lot of these area guys, it's like you get in that that war room. And it's like, I want this guy, this is my guy. And, you know, you got to convince the cross checker and everybody else and the scouting director that this is the guy I want, especially in those higher rounds. And for him to just like, you didn't even know who he was. And for him to just throw your name out on the board after seeing you play one time and get you, uh, and get the organization to actually back him and say, Yeah, all right, let's take this guy Brian Barton, who we've only got one report on or whatever. That's that's amazing, dude. That so going from there, all right, um, you know, we always hear about journeymen and you know, it's a big big cliche, you know, word for guys that spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get to the big leagues and I mean it didn't take you too long. You were drafted in oh two and you made your debut with the D backs in oh seven. What was that like? What were those first five years? I mean, did you Did you know I'm going to be a big leaguer or were there, was was there doubts in your mind that, you know, I might not, uh, you know, get a chance to, to make it to the show. I mean, what were you thinking in those first five years with Arizona?
1: Kind of goes back to when I was growing up. I never really had crazy high expectations for anything. I just kind of always went for the flow Mm -hmm. and it just kind of carried over once I got into pro ball.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, so like my first five years, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I progressed pretty quickly from, um, I went straight to high, high A ball from the draft, um, did pretty well, and then went to double A for my first full season and and struggled mm-hmm. um, uh, for a portion of the season and whatnot. And, and it was, you know, so that's kind of like the learning curve of things. Um, you know, I, and at that time, I, I felt like I had progressed a little fast where I should have been. Anyway, so I go back the next year for AA and uh, do a little bit better and whatnot and get, and get promoted to AAA. And now I'm in AAA for three years, and I'm you know, going back to the same level for three years and just kind of being stagnant in, in the progression as far as, you know, you start doubting yourself a little bit. And, you know, there's times where, you know, I'm with a – a crop of prospects that are are higher on the list, so you know you're you're kind of you always kind of push the back of of things so mm-hmm. you know there was times where I felt like like you know there wasn't a lot of things that I could do to to stand out because i you know like i said earlier i I was never the guy that really had a lot of speed or or power you know, I was the guy that went out there and and just played the game the right way, and you really needed to see me play every day to buy into that. Right, um, a grinder, a grinder, I guess you would say, yeah, um, could always count on me to show up and 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 you know at least uh compete you know over over a course of a season, like my that was my sample was you know that that mm-hmm. that time, so you know it it took me in two three years to really kind of break through where you know they finally gave me an opportunity. Um, not only I was I I was in big league spring training, but like an opportunity to make the team and be a part of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it, that those five years. It was tough because there was times where I felt like, all right, you know, do I really want to continue doing this if if I know it, you know living out of a suitcase? I don't know. I'm kind of I'm all over the place right now. But uh, sorry, right. uh, just the just the uncertainty of. Of the future you know you 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 start having a family and and uh -hmm. you know you just you try to you try to create stability in your life and as a baseball player it's it's at times it's difficult yeah and uh you know i was always one that i just wanted to to be normal and i just wanted to (laughs) i wanted to have a normal job and you know i didn't want that extra attention right um so there, you know, it was, it was, it was, it, there was times where I wanted to go do other things and, and, uh, you know, prove myself in other ways, but,
0: uh, but baseball
2: you know, was the, the paycheck. Day,
1: I, that was,
0: that was what was, was that
1: baseball, you know, yeah. ba- I had put so much time in the baseball and, you know, a lot of people counted on me and, sure. uh, you know, that was, that was the thing that I, you know, I, to this day, I'm still the most experienced in. Why mm. would I go do anything other than that? Right. Um, and yeah. I ask that question to myself a lot of times because you know why wouldn't I go back in the coaching, professional baseball or college baseball? Right. You know, it's, it's for those same reasons where it's like uh, you know the uncertainty, it, you know, it's always going to be there. And you know, for now, uh, just being being stable, and whatnot, is is where it's at. And uh, you know, at that time, I, I you know I I always crave that. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of brought uh, the, those, um, those doubts into my head. Like, hey, maybe I, I was meant to go do something else.
0: Mm-hmm. And this, so but, uh, was this happening, sorry to interrupt, was this happening around that time? Like you're breaking into the big leagues, you've been a pro ball player for five years, and you're already saying to yourself, you know, is this really what I want to do?
1: yeah you know there's there's times where you know it's the it's the mental grind that you're you're in spring training and you gotta go into the office and they gotta send you down right right
2: right it's
1: like you don't wanna you don't wanna keep hearing about that you know it's gonna it's gonna you know, it's either gonna drive you more or it's gonna put you down um you know i i think at that time i was if anything i was uh immature in in my outlook mm-hmm. you know it had to happen now it, it had to happen now
2: right um
1: and i know specifically when i i made the diamondbacks no seven and then i got sent down after 10 days you know it was like hey i i need to be a big leaguer or or i don't want to play at all you know right. that was kind of like the mentality you know um and i was somebody to get away with with stuff like that you know i was yeah. that needed to go down the minor leagues and just
2: Get keep better. plugging away yeah
1: um so yeah. you know after after i left the diamondbacks that's when i kind of started maturing in that in that mindset that mm-hmm. you know all right this is i am a baseball player this is stuff that i need to deal with and um you know, deal with it in the best manner possible. Right. Um, and I think, I think in those first five years, especially the the time when I first um, got my taste of the big leagues and whatnot, you know, I, I wasn't mature in the way, uh, I was going about my business and my career. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
0: you know. And at this you point know. you had a family now, right? You had your first daughter or your only daughter, your first kid around the same yeah, time.
1: It was, it was a, yeah, it was the same time. And, uh, i just at the end of the day i just want to just want to be with the family every day and you know kind of you know like i said earlier i just want stability in my life and
2: yeah
1: and you know i wasn't getting it because i was going up and down and you know traveling traveling for you know for away trips and Mm -hmm. you know i think i think if you're listening around you probably think i'm whining or whatnot but these are these are true emotions <laughs> no not at all that's, that's
0: absolutely i don't think i've met a professional baseball player or athlete for that matter that hasn't gone through exactly what you're describing it doesn't matter how great you are or how uh, much success you have i think everybody's you know human and they go through these feelings and you're not whining at all man this this is good stuff because i want, I want a lot of these listeners out. There might be some guys out there that are right behind you coming out of college and trying to decide if this is what they really want and you know um, I know from from my experience in in consulting with you know high school and college players, those are questions that I always ask them. you know how bad do you want it because if you just want it a little bit it 's not going to happen. You know, you know how that is you really have to devote your entire life to it and when you got a family and you have a wife or kids or you know people counting on you like you said it just adds more pressure to it so you know this is this is exactly what uh up and coming players to hear about plus you get out of Arizona you go to St. Louis and correct me if I'm wrong I believe it was 2009 I remember you getting the National League player of the week after having a hell of a series against the Cubs and Wrigley is uh it, w- tell us a little bit about that week that had been awesome
1: so I gotta correct you real quick. <laughs> it was it was National League uh, Rookie of the Month. Oh, rookie, rookie of the Month,
0: even better. Sorry, I thought it was yeah, the Player yeah. of the Week. I yeah, gotta,
1: I gotta I gotta I gotta yeah. correct you because Albert has got uh, Player of the, of the the Month. Okay, so I can't do any better than that guy. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Jesus, that's awesome. So um, Rookie of the Month, that's even better.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, obviously that's probably the best times of my life. You know, looking back at spring training for that for that that specific season uh
3: Uh,
1: we show up to spring training and i can't remember who exactly is slotted to play third base
0: Um, was it freeze
1: oh there was troy gloss i don't
0: they they okay so freeze Freeze was behind you that's right uh, joe so david freeze and joe
1: mather are are competing in spring training to play third base and i i physically get I don't know, like ten to fifteen at that all of spring training, because there's not a lot of bats for me because they're 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 trying to get other other guys in there, right? Right. And uh, so those guys don't have the greatest spring training. So uh, you know the end of spring training is coming, and you know, I start I start playing more, and Joe Thurston starts playing more, and. Opening day comes, and I'm opening day third baseman riding around, riding around in the F-150 in the bed of an F-150 in opening day ceremonies around (laughs) the warning track, and uh, yeah, and getting off and walking the red carpet and shaking uh, all the all the St. Louis Cardinal Hall of Famers' hands, whatnot, and you know, very surreal and and all this cool stuff and uh you know joe joe thirsty and i got the platoon the the the, the half a season that i was there and you know mm-hmm. we both we both had a great april um you know either one of us could have won rookie of the month for that for mm-hmm. that month and uh you know i was lucky uh to hit a couple of home runs and i think that was probably the deciding factor yeah um but yeah, it was just—it was a super exciting time for everybody. Just like I said on de- on draft day, mm-hmm. uh, I hit my first big league home run uh, here in Phoenix against the Diamondbacks to beat them. Uh, nice. All you know, my family was there, and you know the the next series we go to to Wrigley, and I hit two more home runs and have another good series, and you know things were just
0: kind of going up
1: yeah it was cool because we were winning too at the same time and you get to
0: hang out with albert pujols in the batting cage right (laughs) yeah
1: yeah there was a a lot of uh great thing great memories from my time in st louis specifically from that year not a lot of cities that compare in the baseball knowledge and the way they back baseball in st louis
0: and the fans yeah Um,
1: that's that's just like their own little separate thing over there, and you know it was just it was a great time being mm-hmm. there because they really they really made it great the fans. Yeah, the good thing that came out of that season when I went down to AAA and won a, a AAA championship oh, and wow. played with a bunch of awesome players that are still playing in in the big leagues today. And
0: who's one guy that comes to mind that you played with that year down in AAA that's that's uh, you know successful now? Does anybody come to mind right away? Oh my
1: goodness. David Freeze, he's one of my he's one of my good friends. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when I when I was in Albuquerque, somebody that I, I I knew he was a good player, but I didn't know he was going to be this good. Dude, I
0: love this story you told me this a while ago. How the last year that baseball was in the Olympics, two thousand eight, it's coming back in two thousand twenty, which is going to be awesome. Um, awesome. But so you know, they're they're not. You know, taking the Jeters and the A Rods. Tell us how you got the chance to be on the friggin' Olympic team.
1: I'm in Triple A Memphis, right, uh, with the with Cardinals, and had a pretty good spring training, and you know, I was not in a position to compete for a, a, a big league spot per se. So I'm in Triple A, and they're giving me an opportunity to to play shortstop, and I'm playing shortstop every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is something that I'd, I had been wanting for a while was to play shortstop. You know, yeah. I, there's a lot of value in shortstops, and I and I had voiced that I wanted to play shortstop. So they finally gave me an opportunity to play shortstop. So having a pretty good season, I don't know. I, I think I was hitting about three fifteen. Uh, I had I had about eight home runs um, in in about a half. So I, you know, was, I was having one of my better seasons.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I get uh, the the CEO of of USA Baseball, Paul Seiler, calls me one day and and asks me if I'm interested in playing on the olympic team. <laughs> and I I really didn't know what to say other than yes. <laughs>
3: yeah. So,
1: yeah, so I was like, yeah, yeah, this is no brainer.
3: Yeah. And
1: and he said, "All right, well, they're they're going to make their 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 cuts over the next 30 to 45 days." So, we didn't know when scouts were going to be there, but there was people watching. Mm-hmm. And so it was me and another guy that I actually um, knew pretty well uh, from playing in in the Pacific Coast League, and and we came to know that we were both competing against each other, and I think it kind of made us step up our game because you know during that time we were we we did pretty well um, the both of us, and you know it, it came down to who are they who are they looking for most, I guess, and uh, uh, you know they let me know. Two weeks before, I don't know, we had to go meet. We had to go meet in California for Olympic pre-qualifying meeting of sorts. But um, yeah, it was just kind of like a like another whirlwind of events that you know I was going through this tryout process, and and uh, you know they let me know that I was going to be part of the team, and then I was going end of July, flying from Memphis to North Carolina to the USA baseball headquarters playing against uh Team Canada and having like a little uh meet and greet with the rest of your team and mm-hmm. and you know, you had like a little uh uh workout baseball session uh for two or three days and then now we're flying across across country to say San Jose. I think we're at San Jose State and they had more of a uh introduction to being an Olympian and you know we're we're over here having being introduced by brandy Chastain um, from the soccer team, and she's showing us around, um and she's our, you know, she's our tour guide, our coordinator, or whatnot. Uh, so that was, you know, that was somebody that I was like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, so at this time, we're getting to know our our teammates, and it's, it's very surreal because you know, it's just a bunch of random guys that are are coming together, and like you said, there none of us are big leaguers; we're all minor leaguers at the time.
2: Yeah. That's
1: crazy, and you know, uh, if anybody knows anything about you know putting a team together, it's very hard just to bring a random group of guys together and expect to win right away. Right. Uh, so there, you know, there's yeah, there's a lot of pressure on us. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're we're going through this process together and whatnot, and now we're in China. You know, days later, and and it's just people everywhere, and it's just this huge spectacle. If anybody's been to the Olympics it's you know, it's mayhem. <laughs> yeah. And uh it was just a great feeling knowing that, you know, whether we won or lost or I did you know, I did good or poor, you know, just being there and being part of this experience was was something that uh-huh. um, you know, obviously I wasn't gonna forget but, you know, I was able to share with my folks and and my family and um, you know, it was something that i um it, it kind of validated my my career
0: mm-hmm. and you got to take home a bronze medal yeah that's pretty cool yeah it was it was a pretty good tournament it
1: was very competitive you know we, we're you know every all the rest of the countries were, were sending their professionals yeah uh, where we sent a team of minor leaguers and or excuse me we're a professional but like they're sending their big league guys, right right um and we're you know i'm not saying we're second tier but you know you know we weren't big leaguers, right? Um, but you know, we went in there, and you know, we, we, we struggled at first, and we and we overcame a little adversity, and you know, we were able to um, play in the, in, in the gold or in the bronze medal game against Japan and, and come out on top.
0: That's awesome, man! What a what a great uh, experience for you. So I have to ask this question. I was I was uh, having this conversation with one of my other coaches the other day on the field, and we were talking about. And I actually saw something posted on Facebook, too, from a guy who was a Canadian baseball player. The name escapes me right now, but, you know, he was a big league picture for a little while. But the question is, in your experience, what gave you a greater feeling, being a major leaguer or getting an uh, opportunity to represent your country uh, in the Olympics and, you know, winning that bronze medal? Hmm. Tough one, right?
1: That's a really tough one.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'll just rephrase it. If <laughs> if you could only pick one, if you had to go back in your career now and say, okay, you get one shot, uh, Brian Barden, you get to have the major league career that you had, or you get a chance to represent your country and uh, you know go for a gold medal again. Would would it be a tough decision for you, or would it uh, be a no brainer?
1: Uh, well, that's just being Olympic, going yeah. for a gold medal. I don't know. I I'm 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 one that I, I I'm my worst critic, so. People, people kind of get mad because uh, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, yeah, I played in the big leagues, but I, I have a really hard time calling myself a big leaguer.
2: Okay, all right.
1: Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because yeah, I, I, I did not make a, a career out of it. Right. You know, I think I think a benchmark for 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 baseball players, or specifically big leaguers, is the five years. Right. And you know, if I would have got to the five year mark, I would have considered myself a big leaguer. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I never got there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I probably would have got there, I would have said a big leaguer. You know, like being able to go to the to the to a big league stadium every day and 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 do that for a job—that's yeah, so stinking cool.
3: Yeah, I hear it's you.
1: It's crazy cool, and uh, you know, I would definitely sacrifice the Olympic experience to be an everyday big leaguer for five to ten years. Yeah. You know, and you see you 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 see that firsthand with our our current big leaguers. You know, they pass up opportunities to play in the U.S. or the World Baseball Classic, right? Um, and all this stuff because they want to stay healthy for Their for career. the big league. Um, season one because you know that's the paycheck and and two it's like you know that's that's every day that's 162 games right there that you have an opportunity to to go out there and showcase yourself and and be in front of fans and um you know yeah
0: yeah i want I would love to you know just get on a whole tangent about the WBC this year and how how great it was to watch those guys win the gold and stuff but i don 't want to keep you I know you got to get going so i'm going to wrap up with a couple more questions uh, number one, I definitely want to get to the japan part you know this is uh, um, th- this podcast is brought to you by the world baseball experience, and so I it, you know wouldn't be doing it justice if i didn't get a little bit of, of information from your experience of playing in japan so you're in China with the Olympics you got a little taste of what it's like to play over in Asia uh you know through that whole thing but then you come back and you you know have a little time with the Miami Marlins Texas Rangers and then tell us how did it uh it all go about where you ended up playing for uh, Hiroshima Carp uh over in Japan
1: Yeah it was uh another thing you get you get to your, a point in your career where a good feel of your demand in, 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 in the baseball market or whatnot, Mm -hmm. even though I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what that means at the time. (laughs) Um, but I, I, I knew, I knew I was a, uh, I was a type of player that could go to Japan and get paid for my, for my, uh, my ability over there. Uh And, uh, you know, it was something that I expressed to my agent.
3: Uh, okay, so you
1: about
0: you brought it up to him then.
1: Second, yeah, second or third season in, in AAA, where I was just kind of I was just uh, stuck, and you know, I didn't, I don't want to continue making X amount of money, where I felt like I I I you know I was I felt like I should've been a big leaguer, so I should be making X amount of money. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So I expressed interest to in my agent and, uh, um, he had players there at the time and over, you know, whatever, X amount of years. So, you know, I think he starts throwing my name out there and he says, this team is going to come watch you. And, you know, so I have a good game and don't hear anything back And years pass. So you know, over, over the course of a few years, um, Now I'm now I'm in AAA with the Rangers and having probably my best my best season overall as a professional. Mm -hmm. And it was a season that I I considered um, my breakout season. And it was a season that I, you know, any professional baseball player, if they're striving to play um, at the big league level, they need this breakout season. And I had it. I had it finally, um, like you said, ten years into my pro career. Mhm. And uh so I'm playing Triple A uh Round Rock for the Rangers and I'm having this great season. You know, the, the 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 Japanese talk comes up again and and uh you know, I have a couple of teams that are coming to watch me and I I had a friend that he reached out to me uh I don't know if it was on Facebook or, or email or text but uh he was playing on, on the Hiroshima team. And they were asking him and the other American players about me um, and this other guy. So they basically gave him uh, an ultimatum between two of them: like, "Hey, would you choose between this guy and this guy?" Mm-hmm. At least that's the story I heard. And uh, you know, I, I had a relationship with one of the guys, so that that kind of validated me. Uh, so that's basically how I got to Hiroshima. I had an out in my contract uh July first of that season uh so in preparation for that uh you know a lot of these Japanese teams know this um and, it, and uh, certain players need to fit into that into that uh realm of sorts and whatnot mm-hmm. you know there are stipulations in, in guys' contracts after they they become uh, six year free agents mm-hmm. so part of those part of those stipulations is you know you have outs in your contract, whether it's at the end of spring training or You know, it's June first, July first, whatever.
3: Right. So I ended
1: up having one July first, and uh, uh, they were in need of a player, and you know they went they went and asked uh, guy the guy that I had known. He was a pitcher, and you know I'm now I'm getting a a contract offer the next week, and I take my my out, and you know I become a Hiroshima Carp, and you know I'm now flying over to Japan. Hmm. end of july the end of july uh to you know for this whole new thing whatnot and uh you know anybody that's been in japan knows there, there's uh one there's a lot of people there and two uh they love they love their sports especially baseball yeah so basically when you sign over there you just become an instant celebrity and uh baseball players, all baseball players there, whether you're minor leagues or big leagues, you're 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 known and uh uh especially a foreigner. I insulate Yeah, and uh, you know, that's kind of the expectations of uh foreigners coming over there is, you know, they're looking for heroes and they're you know, they're looking for somebody to 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 pick up their team or make a you know, make a big uh splash of sorts. Sure. So uh you know i go over to go over to the Hiroshima carp and go through you know all the whole press conference and you know the all the all the flashing lights and glamour and all you know fun stuff that they they, they like to do and um you know it was it was cool cuz it, you know, it was, it's attention that you know us minor league or 4a guys uh didn't normally get so you know it was it was nice to go over there and and get some attention and whatnot. And, uh,
0: feel appreciated. They, huh? Like
1: I said, they, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool. You know, they, they really, they really do a lot for, uh, their athletes. So showing up to the park, you know, every day with, with, uh, specifically with the Hiroshima carp and, you know, majority of teams, not all the teams, in Japan, they're, 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 they're known for their, their work habits and they go, they go to work and uh you know I've never seen anybody work harder than than those people and they show up every day and they they put that work in mm-hmm. so going from American baseball to japanese baseball i uh I definitely got a lot more condition uh a lot more <laughs> ground balls a lot more swings uh mm-hmm. uh you know they do they do things a little bit differently you know we're we're more about you know quality or, or quantity uh you know they definitely focus on on the quantity side of things mm-hmm. uh, so saying that they understood that I was coming from the other side of the spectrum they they worked with me and so it was it was, ve- it was very interesting to see how much how much work they put in on a daily basis
0: right I remember you telling me a story uh during this time when we were chatting and and uh, i just thought it was hilarious uh because it was so different than what you you know experience in the states and being a you know minor leaguer big leaguer college player high school player whatever you know we take bp the way we take bp and you tell everybody how different it was didn't you break a couple of bats in batting practice and we're trying to figure out why the guy was like throwing you you know cutters and sliders and all the stuff <laughs> like you're just trying to well, trying to get loose for a game. <laughs>
1: well, okay, yeah. So
0: <laughs> so
1: American BP, you know, it's 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 about uh, getting warmed up, know, getting forty tuned to fifty up. feet, forty to fifty to away. You know, the, the the pitcher is about forty to fifty feet away, uh-huh. and just throwing it over the middle of the plate at a at a good you know, nice hitting speed where we can. Uh,
2: work get, on some you know, things
3: solid, yeah.
1: <laughs> work on stuff and you know kind of get prepared for the game where you know i show up and i'm not really well prepared or or, <laughs> or you know uh schooled on you know what's to to come so i show so i show up and i find out uh a majority of the the practice pitchers are ex-professional pitchers that didn't make it right mm-hmm anyways so you know their their command's pretty good they're, you know they're throwing strikes but <clears throat> they're not like hittable strikes
0: and they're throwing and, from uh, the mound right like they're pitching to you
1: oh they're they're almost they yeah they're at the base of the mound okay. and they're, li- they're fully lifting their leg they're they have like a full <laughs> leg kick and just throwing it and uh know, yeah, uh you know i'm breaking i'm breaking bats and, <laughs> and uh People, people in the stadium are oohing and awing at me breaking bats and BP, and I don't, I don't think it's funny. No, and, uh, not at all. You know, and, I, and, at the, and at the time I'm like so stubborn that I refuse to bring a second bat to the cage. So anytime I break a bat, it's a, it's like this whole uh, spectacle where it's like, all right, the bat's broke, it cracks, and everybody's oohing and on. And now I'm like walking very slowly back to the, the dugout to get my other bat, and uh, yeah, you know. Uh, it, it's just a different, just a way, different way of going about things. And you know, if you're yeah. not prepared for it, or or really willing to buy in, yeah, um, you know, it, it could it can make for a long, a long time. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was so, Yeah, yeah. Like my like my thing with batting practice was, <clears throat> I'm used to taking rounds of of seven. 10 maybe mm-hmm. um you know in the in the off season maybe i just extended to 20 pitches anyway so uh i don't know at the time that i was i was with hiroshima uh you know our rounds of bp were like three minutes <laughs> and uh i don't know how many swings you can get in three minutes but it, it was way too many for for my liking right
0: uh and you so, don't know what's coming, yeah. you know the guy's breaking you off curveballs and then coming inside and changing speeds, and you're like
1: well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be he wouldn't so much be bringing curveballs and whatnot, but like <laughs> uh yeah just bring in bring in some hard batting practice in all my hands
0: and you're trying uh, to go the other way or whatever re-
1: <laughs> yeah. well, it's not my idea of getting ready for a game right, you know I'm trying to build confidence and and uh <laughs> and uh find the barrel you know just I just want to hit the barrel, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: this so guy's trying it, to strike was, you out. It was
1: challenging and, uh, it was definitely a, le- a learning curve for me and it helped in my maturity as a player. So one other,
0: so. one other lesson that you learned, I remember this story and, uh, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious because, um, you know, just to let everybody know, Brian and I met when he was just starting his, his pro career out in Sherman Oaks, California. In fact, um, he got a hold of me uh, at my baseball academy and you just said, hey, I need to hit. I need to, you know, stay in shape while I'm in the off season." So anyway, so he comes over to my Academy and, and, uh, we, you know, get acquainted, I throw him some BP and I say, Hey, I tell you what, I'm not going to charge you for anything as long as you hang out with my campers and, uh, you know, show them a few things and, you know, and you, of course, were just like, "Oh, dude, no worries, man. I love it. I love hanging out with kids. I'll, you know, I'll work with them, whatever." And, and that's kind of where our relationship started. And uh, you know, and you actually allowed me to start my coaching career in the sense that uh, you know you were one of the for it. Well, you were the first professional player that um, I got to use as a guinea pig for my training. You know, as a hitting coach, as a as a uh, you know trainer with you know speed and conditioning and things like that. And I remember you saying, "Yeah, whatever." You do whatever you want to do I'll do it you know just you tell me what to do and I'll do it and um, at the time you know you were a young ball player fast forward a few years and I can't remember when it was but we were having a conversation I said so how's your training going what's going on and you said to me oh man I'm just gonna put a bunch of fat behind the ball this year I'm done training <laughs> is that a true story or not do you remember that <laughs> And how did that go? I, I remember getting back to you a year later, I, I said how I said, How did that go for you? What what was your response?
1: Didn't work out too good. Didn't work out too good. I, I think uh I think I uh I think that was the year that I got a hernia <laughs> athletic hernia and uh yeah, it was probably my worst year as
0: a professional. I said, "What? You're gonna just put a bunch of fat behind the ball? Yeah, I'm just gonna eat and get big and see how much I could get behind." That was hilarious. <laughs> I, had just, I had just come back from playing winter ball in Mexico. That's right. And That's uh, right. I had, a bunch of ho- I had a bunch of home runs and I was
2: all high and mighty. And there and, you go, uh, training you know, like I
1: was like, oh, I was like, I. Yeah, I, You know, I was like, I was eating, you know, tacos and, you know, not training. I was like, oh, I figured out my swing. Why would I have to train? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out too well.
0: That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that was great. So but yeah, man, that's, yeah, that's, it was cool to, you know, be able to
1: go out and, and just, you know, cross paths when, when I lived out in Sherman Oaks and obviously, you know, we're meant to be life, lifelong friends.
0: And, crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, it's yeah. just you know that was again. You were, I think you were in Double A uh, El Paso then, because it was like 2003, I believe. So it would have been after your first year in yeah. High A. In fact, I think you just got promoted from High A to Double A that, and you you just finished your first uh, first year in Double A ball that year. And uh, yeah, here we are. Got you know, almost what, however many, fifteen years later, thirteen years later, and. Uh, it's been great, man. It's It's been uh, a lot of fun watching you. I had a great time watching, you know, watching you play and catching you on, you know, when you hit those uh, home runs in Wrigley Field uh, when you were with the Cardinals. That was, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling to, you know, see somebody start from where you did and then get to where you are and all that good stuff. But uh, uh, so now... Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna finish up here, uh, Brian. I know you got to get going, but I want to know what do you do now? I mean, you're you're coaching. You're, you're running an academy. I mean, how are you? How are you staying in the game?
1: So when I when I retired from baseball, I uh, got right into insurance, uh, mm-hmm. specifically uh, life insurance, and I've just been focusing on uh, on insurance uh, since I retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, just recently I uh have added other lines of, of insurance, so I do a full line of insurance and uh just focusing on growing my independent uh insurance agency mm-hmm. uh here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Other than that, I you know, i I remain focused on baseball, uh and I, I recently uh, it's it's coming up on a uh year anniversary where I uh, began a, a club baseball organization here in Scottsdale mm-hmm. called Soul Baseball. Uh you know, we do tournament teams, private instruction, uh players clinics, coaches clinics and one of the one of the specialty services I like to to really uh promote is my college recruiting services where you know as as somebody that walked on at a university i feel like i'm i have a, a a soft spot for for guys that are like me mm-hmm. and uh i you know I feel like there's a lot of guys out there like me where you know, we're we're just kind of like middle of the road we're not like the top of the pack we're not you know we're out there we're competing you know we get good grades mm-hmm. uh, uh we try really hard you know i and i wanna you know i wanna I want to bring the spotlight to those kind of people because I feel like there's opportunity for for guys out there that don't necessarily know the college recruiting process or have the network of, of coaches or people that they can contact. So, you know, besides... Just coaching baseball and you know teaching you know the game. I like to really help uh, high schoolers and, uh, and incoming high schoolers mm-hmm. um, with the whole process of of being proactive and knowing what to do as far as college recruiting goes, um, and providing them opportunities to to be in front of scouts and and, and college coaches.
0: Yeah. No, oh, that's awesome, man. I, I I share that passion with you, as you know, and uh, I'm actually getting ready to give a speech here. I'm going to do a keynote presentation in Cornerbrook, uh, Newfoundland where I'm I'm at this summer with a bunch of the uh, student athletes that are in the area here and I'm excited to uh, to do that very same thing is educate them on the ins and outs of the college recruiting process and let them know that there are plenty of opportunities out there you just got to know how to play the game. You got to know the rules, you got to know what to do, you got to know how to market yourself and you know get yourself in front of coaches and you know that's a it's a huge thing right now obviously in today's world and you know, parents wanting their kids to uh, get their college paid for because it's so damned expensive. It's kind of getting a little bit crazy. It's probably a show for another time where we could get into that whole thing, but I'd love to have you back again. And, you know, maybe we can devote a, another hour to talking about college recruiting and, and uh, you know, educating parents and, and coaches and players, of course, on that process. Do you have, in closing, just a, a couple of words for anybody out there that's, you know, looking to uh, either stay in the game of baseball? So Say former professional players that are wanting to do other things, or you know, maybe guys that are looking for a career change that that love the game, and and maybe they're insurance guys and they, they want to get into coaching. Do you have any advice or anything you want to you know shout out just to, to people that love the game?
1: Yeah, I just I just wanted to touch on you know the kids uh, as far as you know not just the club ball but like all sports throughout the year. Just you know letting letting kids play a lot of sports just specifically one one sport or just playing club baseball a year or whatnot um i think it's important for for kids to be athletes and know how to play a lot of sports and i don't think it's necessarily knowing how to play the sport it's it's teaching your body how to move differently and 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 just you know, I don't know, just accept different athletic positions and movements and whatnot. I think I think making yourself a total athlete is is probably the best thing at the end of the day yeah, um, rather than that rather than just practicing and focusing on one sport mm-hmm. um from the body standpoint, and then the, the, you know the other side of things is you know i was I was a good example uh for this when I was. Uh, Twelve was was my first year of playing travel baseball, and uh, we, you know we played well over a hundred games. And you know at the end of that that season or year, I, I, I communicated with my dad that I did not want to play baseball anymore. Uh, you know, I just I'm very cognizant of of burning out not only other kids but like my kids. You know, I just I want them to play the appropriate sport for the for the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, don't don't you can keep continue to play throughout the year but just stay balanced.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, if you're if your if your child is is communicating that he's he's tired or he's you know, he he doesn't want to do it anymore, you should probably listen and mm-hmm. uh um, you know, give him that break because you know that's what my dad did for me when I when I told him that I did not want to play baseball anymore. He simply said, "All right,
0: take a break. We're just
1: next year. We're just we're going to play one season of baseball, and that was my I was going to be thirteen. That was my it was my pony year of baseball. You know, we'd play thirty games. Play thirty games again. Of course, of course, I, I I still love baseball. I just needed to have a you know. A life,
2: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: at, you know, specifically at the younger ages. I'm seeing so many um, kids and parents uh, fully committed to to playing baseball um, all year round.
2: Um, it's at ridiculous the
1: eight, eight, at the eight U, ten U, twelve U um, levels, and uh, you know the you know besides besides the kids being so young and you know that's a lot of games to play in a, in a in a given year. Um, you know, I think the the little leagues are kind of suffering too, um, mm-hmm. as far as you know, people participating in little leagues because everybody's so focused on club baseball and um, not to put down Cal Ripken, but you know they give club baseball opportunities to go in there and play with their team all year round. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, little league baseball is taking a hit because nobody, mm-hmm. you know, nobody sees the benefit in playing that, and, and I and I and I can see the decline um specifically locally here in, in Scottsdale um in the talent and uh you know it's kind of it's kind of sad to see that you know that little league baseball might, might not be there in it's true in 5 10 15 20 or whatever it may be um so mm-hmm. i guess my point is that you know i just i i, I would like to see uh you know just the see the you know play the specific season You know, just kind of just scale down on the club baseball, get, you know, let the kids be athletes, play other sports and just have, just have time to have fun. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if they don't love, if they don't love what they do, or if they're not passionate, then, you know, they're not going to get, they're not going to want to go out there and and get better.
3: They're
0: going to find something else.
1: And that's, and that's what, you know, that's the, that's what needs to happen is, you know, that, that, that specific player needs to go out there and and want to get better yeah. and that's you know that's the challenge that i i face with kids on my current football team mm-hmm. where it's like i i i i'm almost i i know i'm more passionate about them but i see the potential that is there and because they're in their own body, they don't really see it. But yeah, I just, I, you know, I want them to have that passion to get
0: better. And I think too many parents out there are just stressing this, you know, you got to keep going to volleyball practice or you got to keep working on your hockey or this or that instead of letting them, you know, branch out. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I know there's plenty of evidence out there to, that speaks for itself, especially at the college level. I mean, these coaches, that's the, one of the first questions they ask these kids. Do you play any other sports? And when a kid says, No, I've been playing, you know, baseball my whole life and that's all I play, I hate to tell you, but that kid goes a little bit further down the list than the kid that says, Yeah, I play football, basketball, I wrestle, I run track or whatever it is. Because coaches want athletes first. They, you mentioned it in what you just said, they want those bodies that are able bodies that can adjust, comes to, you know, speed, agility, and all these different things. And if you're just a one dimensional, you know, athlete, I'm sorry, but you're going to get blown away by the competition you know there's going to be you know players out there that are going to be able to do more things than you're capable of doing so and and then, like you said, you add the passion in there i mean how How passionate can you be about something that that's all you do from sun up to sundown from the age of uh, eight to eighteen? I say this to my buddy all the time, living five years in Costa Rica. you can only drink so many pina coladas on the beach, even that gets boring. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean it's like, we, we, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know variety is the spice of life. So, you know, you know, that's great advice out there. So, parents, if you're listening, make sure you get your kids involved in as many sports as they can and keep them active, keep them loving it. And sooner or later, they'll let you know which one. Uh, and it's usually the one that they're the best at that they like the most. So, well, it'll,
1: it'll present itself.
0: It'll present itself. You know, like it's gonna, Yeah, that's right. Let it happen yeah let it happen let it happen naturally don't yeah. force it well hey b i'm gonna let you go buddy i know you got practice tonight with your travel club and uh hopefully you're jazzed up and you're gonna have a good time out there and i can't wait to get back together with you i want to do this again would you be down for it
1: heck yeah cool. i can't wait to hear this final edit right here <laughs> <laughs>
0: i really appreciate your time good luck to you my friend thanks nick you got it buddy talk to you soon all right, all right man. bye Later. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you haven't had a chance, please check out the website over at www.worldbaseballexperience.com. That's all spelled out. And I think you'll find some interesting information over there, including the most recent world rankings. So if you're into that kind of stuff, international baseball, blogs, pictures, videos, it's all right there. So if you could, please do me a favor and pass this on to any other seam head friends of yours that you run into. And if you don't like it, well, then just keep it to yourself and move about your day. Thanks again. I've been your host, Nick Holmes, and I'll see you next time. Take care.